how do we actually design work that serves us and how do we do human-centred work that puts the people at the centre of, of everything that we do. This is the Reimagined Workforce podcast from Workforce Transformations Australia, the podcast for people and culture professionals seeking to drive meaningful, impactful and financially sustainable workforce transformation through curiosity, creativity and data science. In this podcast, we hear from talented and innovative people making a positive difference for their people, their organizations, and those their organizations serve. They share stories and learnings to help others on their path to transforming their workforce today and tomorrow. Now, here's your host, Kath Hume. Welcome to this episode of the Reimagined Workforce from Workforce Transformations. Today's guest is Ian Arnold another fabulous human who I have been fortunate to work with in the strategic workforce planning space at New South Wales Health. Ian has a depth of experience at a local level that was invaluable in informing many of the future of work initiatives at the strategic or state level. He applies a human-centred design approach to drive innovation at scale. He's able to see the big picture and all of the components that form that whole and somehow manages to facilitate deep and rich conversations that delve deep into the most complex problems that we face. Ian, welcome to the Reimagined podcast. Wow, Kath. Gee, what an intro. Thanks for having me here. Great to be here. It's awesome to have you with us. So let's jump in. So would you mind starting with telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing and, and have done in the past? Yeah, sure. So my sort of potted history around my um, people and culture journey, I've always been fascinated by people and culture work. And early in my career, started out in a banking and finance capacity, moved around some generalist roles, experimented with learning and development, progressively moved around industries and seniority within people and culture functions and found myself traversing several countries and several industries, including the arts, not-for-profit, um, healthcare, education, a whole mix of things of different sizes, scale issues and workforce sizes. And that led me, I suppose, always to industries that did meaningful work because purpose and meaning in work, I suppose, is something that I value and, and had the joyous pleasure of working with you, Kath, during our time together in health. And some of the work that I guess I'm proudest of has been, as you say, that big sort of impactful strategy work that brings dynamic change in complex systems. There's no doubt that you've got the breadth and depth of experience that is necessary for these really important conversations around transforming workforces. So this podcast is, is just that. It's about workforce transformation and how we might reimagine our workforces together, which is what I, why I really like that human-centred design approach that you take. So what does your reimagined workforce look like? Yeah, wow. So that's that's really getting out into some um, some blue skies territory. But how I like to think about future workforces, and I guess what I've I've learned in understanding more about the future of work is while there is going to be different work, there will always be humans doing that work. And machines, for example, can do a whole raft of things better than 
humans can do some tasks, but they can't ever they can't ever replace humans. And so your question about what does a what does a human centered workforce look like? In my world, I think there will always be humans. They may very well be different different types of work, different types of services, different types of experiences, some some which we may not have even dreamed up yet. But I think it's a pretty exciting future when I take a step back from it and and ponder what possibilities might be there for people. And I think, you know, that excites me. And part of the challenge, I think, facing industry and organisations now is I notice a maturity and shift in thinking in the conversations that are happening about this. No longer is the dialogue about, you know, robots are, are coming to take jobs. It's actually about how do we actually design work that serves us and how do we do human-centered work that puts the people at the center of of everything that we do and how do we take people along that journey with us both customers and workforces and all the other stakeholder groups that we need to work with along that journey so for me i think pretty optimistically and excitedly about that future and i think you've you've hit the nail on the head around we always will still need humans. And I think the beauty of the future that I see is going back to your points around purpose and that that hasn't always been an option for people. There were repetitive tasks that needed to be done and and they can be a bit mundane, but we still needed people to do it. But I think the beauty of the future that we're talking about is that as machines become increasingly capable of taking over that repetitive work, it really up, opens up opportunities for humans to be human and do what we do best. And that that is the pleasurable stuff. And it is where we can find meaning in work. And and let's face it, that's where we find workforce optimization because people invest that, that discretionary effort because their hearts and minds are, are invested and they can see the value in it. So there's that mutual benefit that comes to both organisations but also the people in it and ultimately the people that we serve from those organisations. So I, I just love the optimism that you bring to it and it's really not hard I find not to have that optimism because I think the future is really bright and being able to shape it is a real privilege so that probably takes me to my next question is in terms of how we go about shaping that future so part of what we do is is reimagining the workforce exactly what we're talking about here but then we've got to get practical I guess around Mm. how do we actually do that so can you share some of the the approaches that you take yeah, sure. Look, I, I guess the for me, it anchors back to a few key points. So the first one that I usually like to think about when I'm tackling a big challenge is what's the issue or the problem that I'm trying to solve? What's the customer need that I might be needing to think about here? And then I think it's this really rich process of discovery where I need to think about who are the people that I need to work with? How can I spend time sort of deeply thinking about the problem and getting a real understanding who who can help paint that picture and who can help unlock some of the steps that we need to to work through so at a really practical level it might be um, you know doing some stakeholder mapping and thinking about who who is the audience that I need to work with here who are the end users of this product or service or you know whatever it is that we might be building who are the critics? Because sometimes those voices that might be 
loud can be really constructive. So who are those mm. people that we need to sort of think about because they can be really helpful and useful perspectives into this? And how do we then think about, I guess, what the collective knowledge, wisdom, intelligence is sort of pointing us to and interpret that in a way that makes sense to people? So, you know, a really a really practical example, I guess, would be thinking about something like perhaps a, a workforce strategy and thinking about a problem statement where what does our workforce need to look like 10 years from now? And I think the easy answer would be we need more humans doing what they're doing now. But history tells us that that's not necessarily mm. the case. We might need some of those things, but we might need some different ones as well. And so thinking about what do those different ones look like? What are these future needs that we need to fold in? And I think, you know, again, at a really practical level, one of the best sources of insight that you can get is this human-centred design, which is, as I mentioned, sort of talking to to humans, finding out what what is this story, and then how do we apply that in some meaningful way that builds a better better future for them. And I think, I think the points you make around getting all of that diversity of perspectives is really critical and and those devil's advocates they really add a richness to that conversation and i think it's important for us not to see that as a problem but rather an opportunity and you know to really hypothesize about what are the potential impacts of of the stories we're telling here for real people and the outcomes that might be affected by that and i, I think i love that approach because it's complex problems that we're dealing with like really really wicked problems and we can't solve them alone and I think the other thing is I'd be interested to hear from you too is when you are defining those problems there's there's probably an endless supply how are you narrowing or honing in on the ones that are going to have the biggest impact in the future yeah, look, great question, Kath. I mean, I think how I think about problem definition is not necessarily how do I want to set out about boiling the ocean and build a better future. I wonder if it's sort of more more a case of spending time thinking about, you know, what is the problem? It's sort of testing it and playing it back to people saying, this is what you've told me, this is what I've heard. Is this the right problem to be mm -hmm. working on together? And I think at a really practical level as well, getting that scope agreed to is important to test, you know, is this work actually going to be helpful? Is it the right problem for this particular person? And and thinking about it in, in that way. Um, and look, there's loads and loads of change material people can get their, their hands on. A really simple one that a lot of practitioners would be familiar with and use, I'm sure, is is a double diamond methodology where it goes through divergent and then convergent. I'm, it's not helpful for your listeners to see that I'm um, drawing diamonds with my hands in the, <laughs> in the air. So on an audio format, that doesn't work well. But the idea would be that in shaping that, it's about throwing all of those ideas at it, thinking big and going going very grand and then sort of bringing it back down to ground to test, is is this what we're trying to, to work on? And then coming up with some possible solutions. And generally, my reflection would be 
the solution space is often much, much easier. Mm. The trick of it is trying to land at the front end. Is this the right problem to work on together? And have I got that part right? And is that what is going to make this difference um, to the people that we're doing this work for and on behalf of? And I think that is pretty critical. And I find the the groups that I work with, it's um, really tempting to jump to solution mode. And so I, I guess the facilitation role is so important in, in reminding people and bringing it back to, yeah, but is the problem that that solution is solving the root cause that we're trying to address here? Because otherwise we're, we might solve a symptom but we're going to be left with that problem. And, and, and we are talking long-term. And we're also investing a bit of time and energy because we've got a significant investment of, of people in those conversations and their time is very important and valuable. So we're wanting to make sure we're using it to deliver the most value that we can. So in terms of that, what do you think the long-term benefits are of investing time and effort into reimagining our workforces? Well, at a very simple and practical level I think we're much more likely to get it right you know I mean I've, I've heard a, a quote that sort of stuck with me because it's it's landed well and the, the quote was this all planning is wrong but some of it is useful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I suppose my reflection would be in developing different scenarios not only do they close some of the gap between what a possible future might look like and some things that you've already thought about but even if it's different to those plans at least that gap of you know is smaller than if you'd not done the thinking at all yeah look another another long-term benefit that i would see is also in the getting it right piece we're taking people on the journey with us it's not sort of telling people a future it's helping them to imagine one and be be part of that story and help build it together which sounds you know a little bit conceptual and 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 even even fluffy perhaps but i think getting the engagement of the folks that you're working with is just so critical people that have this lived experience are in prime position to be able to give insight and advice about about these things and it really is i i suppose for me uh, an underscoring point about the importance of that genuine humanness in the design work that you're doing. You really do need to understand the humans that you're designing for, with, and on behalf of. Yeah, and it requires quite a bit of empathy for those mm. humans as well. Um, so in my work, I apply a human-centered design approach that delivers both learning and innovation at the same time or that's what it's intended to do because and I've actually got a blog post that I'll put down in the show notes on this and and there's a bit of theory behind it around you know we're in a social environment and social construction of knowledge is one of the greatest ways we learn you know humans have always done it since time began and I think you're mentioning around bringing people along the journey there's benefit in it from them too because they'll gain insights and they'll you know it's pretty critical that they're empathetic to their colleagues and the other participants as well so I'm interested to hear from you what are the capabilities that you bring that you've learnt in your career to date that you bring to the human-centered design approach that enable you to be so successful with your strategic workforce planning 
Yeah, look, a good a good question. I think I think something that I've noticed in my own story would be a much greater level of patience. I was sort of reflecting earlier in our conversation, whereas humans, one of the temptations that we sometimes might face is, and we were talking about the problem and, and solution linkage, it's easy, I think, to sometimes sort of think, oh, there's a problem and here's a solution. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're doing this sort of deep work that is on wicked problems, as you say, with many, many possible solutions. It's the patience to be able to hold the tension, to actually slow it down and and think some more when you thought you'd done all the thinking there was that you could do, you can do yet more and learn more things. And so I think it's that constant curiosity that I almost see as circular, where it's sort of gathering an insight, circling back, testing, retesting, and the continual connection and engaging with with your audience to sort of test, well, have I heard this? Have we got this right together? What did we mean here? Oh, that's really interesting. Say more about this stuff. Does this look like what you were thinking about? How do you try this on for size, et cetera? So it's really those sort of empathic listening, really deep listening skills to keep learning and I think remaining curious even when you think you've got a possible solution after you know that deep work it's about perhaps having the the courage to go well you know gosh maybe there's another one maybe we could make changes to this one that make it even better perhaps and that Mm -hmm. process of refinement that all good innovation sort of should go through so I mean for me they they would be my two big call outs it's the the patience and the deep listening um, that I think have been more deeply honed through doing this work yeah i think what's interesting too that empathy is really important for yourself as well to understand what the listeners uh, sorry what the participants journey is because i i find and i don't know if you find this as well but i find that sometimes it's difficult for them to see where it's going Mm. and I struggle to try and explain just to trust in the process that it will will mm. land somewhere eventually. But there's that lack of clarity over, especially for people who haven't been involved before, around what's my role here? Is this adding value? Are we really just sitting around having a conversation or is there something that's going to come out of this? Is that something you've found and how would you address that if it did? Oh, definitely, because it it feels for people a little bit ambiguous. And so, you know, in thinking about the overarching arc, and it sounds slightly at odds with what I've just said, because there's definitely a process that happens. Mm -hmm. And I think when I reflect on it, what is different each time is the nuance that you might make for the participant group that you're working with, and potentially where the movements through process might happen and so how do you know when's the right time to move from this part of the process to the next and usually I guess it's when the insights start to become thematic you you feel confident that you've heard and gathered enough data to be able to say well I'm not learning as many new things so maybe it's time to start consolidating that down into the next step of the process and deliver something and it's also true that you know when you're doing work for organizations 
there has to be outcomes to the mm. work as well. So, yeah. I mean, it, it can't be simply a process of, of ongoing ideation that doesn't deliver a result at the end of it. But I guess it's sort of to be able to think about if my end point is wherever it is working backwards from there, how might that look? And that can also bring comfort on, on one level to people going through this, that if you can, as you say, Kath, encourage people that this will feel awkward, perhaps if you've not done this before, but it is actually leading somewhere. This is what it looks like. And sometimes those visual aids and, and tools that we use as practitioners can be helpful for people so that those that you're taking through a journey can actually see what the whole looks like and they don't feel like that as you say I've come to a, a discussion and just done this thinking but what's next where is it leading me to yeah. so those those can be some really practical things that are useful for people and I have to say those critics that you mentioned earlier one of my favorite things is when they come back and say not that we turn them around, but they, they have a different perspective at some point down the track. I really love those moments where you can see that there's a realisation of the value of what we're working towards together. And mm. I, guess, I guess that's the other thing that I really like about it is that it, it is something that we do together and that everyone can be part of shaping the future. And I think that's really exciting and empowering. So in terms of that, so what advice would you give to people who were wanting to develop their own capabilities around human-centred design or workforce transformation? I suppose it's going to be a little bit different for everybody, but what, what I found was helpful in my case, I guess within me it was definitely a curiosity. I've, I've heard before I've got an insatiable curiosity and I think that's <laughs> probably probably true. Um, you know, all those great questions and you think you've answered them and then a whole bunch more keep popping up. So for me, curiosity is definitely a big one to sort of think about those broader purpose type things and there's there's bigger things than, than all of us. And I guess the other helpful thing that I've found would be research. Obviously, it's really helpful to, to make sure that your practice is grounded in some contemporary thinking. And then networks. I think it's, mm. you know, reaching out to folk around you. There, there are people in this world who are doing these sorts of things and they're very willing to sort of lean in and, and help people that are, are curious and want to get involved and that's really again this whole ecosystem I suppose of human-centered design it's really I think just lean into it and and you'll you'll have a great experience yeah. certainly that was my story and I do I really like that the simplicity of the double diamond that you mentioned we'll we'll post a few um things into the show notes just to get people started but even just a google search of the double diamond um or design thinking uh, just takes you through that you know there's two phases it's the problem definition originally where you, you do that divergent thinking around what are all the problems but then you come to a what is that problem definition but then you go back to that divergent and, and thinking around those solutions you know what might be and then bringing it back to, but this is this is what the solution is that we're going to progress towards, and then and then making that happen, mm. which is which is really exciting. So, I think that's probably all we've got time for today. Um, thank you so much for being with us. It's been awesome as always, and I knew it would be. Um, but uh, yeah, we we look forward. Hopefully, at some stage, we can have you back, and you can share with us some more about um, where where your work's taking you from here. Thanks, Kat. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to the Reimagined Workforce podcast. We hope you've found some valuable ideas that you can apply to transform your own workforce today and tomorrow. Additional information and links can be found in the show notes for this episode at workforcetransformations.com.au slash podcast. Please share this podcast with your community and leave us a rating to let us know what we can do better for you.